Well, hello, uh, IPC friends and family. Uh, this is a uh, recording I'm making. This is Pastor Sam, and I'm making a recording for evening worship service on March 8th, 2020. If you're listening to this, most likely it's because you've realized that our morning and evening services were canceled today based on um, many factors, really. And um, that was sent out in an email and described in, in detail, so we won't get into that. The purpose of this recording is that we would still continue our series in John 13 through 17 for this Lenten season and uh, enter into worship together. My hope and prayer is that we would continue to be able to gather, whether it is digitally uh, or in small groups listening to this recording or by ourselves and um, work through these some of these uncertain times and new regulations we're hearing about meeting and gathering together. And so with that, uh, this recording will have a few things. We will have some scripture reading, some prayer, a meditation, predominantly on our gospel reading, a sermon, and um, some instruction, some ideas for how we go forward and ways we can be praying together. And so with that, I would like to begin this digital time together with the Old Testament reading for the day. Uh, that I've chosen, taken from 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, And then we will have a prayer, we will read our epistle reading, and then gospel reading. This is the Old Testament reading taken from 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not take your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to study, think about your word together. God, as with Elijah, you call us into your presence. Lord, sometimes we are tired, we are fearful, we have much anxiety and unknown things happening around us. But yet, God, you call us into your loving embrace. You call us to follow you. You call us to fellowship with you. You call us to be nourished by you, as Elijah was. God, we give you thanks. We thank you for how you nourish and care for us. We thank you for how you provide for us all we need. And so, God, we go forward now, trusting you, believing in you, asking you to provide for us as we go forward into uncertain days and times, God. Continue to be with us and be for us. And we pray this in Christ's name. 
Amen. Our epistle reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 20. Hebrews chapter 6, 13 to 20. Um, And this is what the writer of Hebrews writes. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think as we look to our gospel reading and sermon meditation or scripture meditation, um, the writer of Hebrews continues what Jesus was saying, continues what Jesus wanted to tell the disciples in John chapter 14. Our gospel reading is taken from John chapter 14. And uh, if you'll turn there in your Bibles, we'll be reading the first 14 verses of John 14. As we continue on reading through John 13 through 17 in this season of Lent, here we are in the second Sunday of Lent. And uh, the sermon for today or tonight is really the question that um, Thomas asks, a question that we've all asked at one time or another. Uh, Lord, how can we know the way? And so if you'll follow along with me, I'll read our gospel reading for tonight from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is just such a wonderful passage in so many ways. Um, And as you listen to this meditation, I hope that uh, you've had a time, or you're maybe in a group, maybe you're with a spouse or a friend or a partner or someone to share your thoughts and, and feelings about this passage. But I find it to be such an encouraging passage. Um, Looking at this and reading about this, we also need to realize where we've been. Uh, If you read John chapter 13, just before this, we see all of the things that have happened. And there's a lot that's happened. You know, when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, there's for a reason. You know, um, he's just washed the disciples' feet. Judas has agreed to and betrayed Jesus and left the upper room to go and betray him. Peter was just told that he will, in fact, deny Jesus before the sun comes up the next morning. And so Jesus starts this discourse by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. And now I think personally that I could easily do an entire sermon on this one verse. You know, as we look around the world today, we see this is a huge issue in the world today, isn't it? I don't know the statistics in Switzerland or Europe, but many statistics that come out of the United States, um, I just read a book on this actually, talk about how mental health and anxiety is one of the biggest troubles now among youth and young adults. That mental illness is on the rise because people are constantly feeling anxious, don't know how to deal with their anxiety, don't know how to deal with their, their hearts being troubled and stirred up, and are regularly feeling panicky in the world today because they simply don't know how to deal with their fears or their worries. And it's not just young adults and youth, but it's really all people, isn't it? I mean, think about how often we hear and read about people having issues with anxiety and, and, and struggling through uncertainties in life. You know, and this happens to the disciples right after Jesus has just told them that they can't follow him, right after Jesus has told them that he's leaving them, right after Jesus has referred to them as children. You know, there's so much uncertainty happening in their lives. Judas is gone. Peter is being told by Jesus he will betray him. Jesus says there's a place for the disciples, but it's not time for them to go and be with him. You know, and I read this first verse that Jesus says in John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I just think, man, this is what the world needs, isn't it? To believe in God and to believe in Christ. To know, as Jesus goes on in our passage, the one who sent him, to know there is a God who loves people. To know there is a God who not only loves people, but desires to be in relationship with people. Could be such a powerful message for this world today. And Jesus, who I really truly believe has set out on a mission to cure this brokenness in people's heart, to cure the anxiety in people's hearts, a mission that we as Christians, if you identify as a believer and a follower of Jesus, a mission that you are called to continue. And so Jesus here is comforting his disciples, his children. Actually, in John 13, Uh, Verse 33, he calls his disciples children. It's the only time 
in the Gospels that Jesus refers to his disciples as children or his little children in some translations. He wants to comfort his disciples because he knows this is a difficult time. And he says, listen, one of the ways you can keep your hearts from being troubled is to believe the things that I have said, believe the things that I have done, believe in who I am. And he goes on in verse 2, 3, 4 to remind them, hey, I'm going to a place that you will join me eventually. And you can be sure that there will be a place for you. And this is how Jesus comforts his disciples. But yet in verse 5, we have Thomas. And I really like Thomas. Many of you have heard me say this before. Thomas often says what everyone else is thinking, right? Thomas often says um, just what's on his mind. And we see Thomas in this situation say the really practical question, right? Lord, verse 5, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And I think this is a question that we all sort of wonder at one time or another in life. God, how can we know the way? I want to do things right. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good husband or spouse or father or friend or son or daughter. I be a good student, be a good employee. How do I do things right? How can I know? In many ways, it's a question we ask sometimes every day, right? How can I do this right today? How can I know the way? You know, and this is really interesting, too, because Jesus even says, you know where I am going. I mentioned this last week in Luke chapter 15. Jesus talks a lot about home, gives parables of going home. Um, and it's sort of a weird thought. You know, have you ever been lost from home? You know, many of you maybe grew up in the, in the same house all growing up or, or you had, you know, one home growing up. But it's a weird thing to think about moving or going to a new home and being lost. If it's our home, we should know how to get there. We should know where we are. We should know all of the surrounding area, like when you grow up in a single place. Um, even as an adult, though, maybe you moved to Zurich recently or, or maybe you've moved around a lot. And there's this period where you're learning about where home is, how to get there, how not to be lost. Um, maybe you moved as a child to a new house or a new apartment and you got lost. Um, or like me, you know, I actually, I love my older brother. His name is Paul. And he was a great older brother in a lot of ways. But there were some years where I don't think he really liked being around me. Maybe you have a younger sibling who this has sort of happened with. But, you know, for a while, my brother Paul uh, wasn't the best big brother. And uh, don't worry, we've talked through it now. We're fine now. But um, I remember actually we had moved and we're in a new area, a new neighborhood. And I didn't quite know my way around yet. He was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12 and I was probably 7 or 8. And he invited me to come out with he and a friend of his and go bike riding. And I thought, wow, this is great. My big brother uh, wants me to, <laughs> to spend time with him. And I thought this would just be the best. And so sure. I grabbed my bike and went out with him and his friend, and we were riding, riding, riding. And then um, we were quite a ways away from home. I had no idea where I was. And this sounds really awful, but my brother, he and his friend sort of pushed me over and then took off as fast as they could, riding away. Uh, and I tried to catch him. I tried to catch him, but I was younger. I was smaller, and I got lost. And they obviously thought this was a funny joke. 
but I was lost. And whenever I think of being lost from home, I remember sitting down on the curb in this street, I can still picture it today, and being really upset. And a very nice person came and asked me and said, where do you live? And I actually responded and said, I don't know. And I had to tell the person that I was new, that we had just moved, that I wasn't sure where I lived. And it was an odd feeling. And I know this is sort of a simple example of what Thomas may be feeling in this passage, but this is the first thing I thought of. What is it like to not know where home is? Now, I will say in my story, my, uh, I eventually made my way home um, and my big brother got in big trouble. So that was sort of gratifying. Um, but when we think about the what's behind that, right? Think about what I'm what I thought about sitting on that curb, feeling lost, wondering the way home. We feel that way in this life sometimes, don't we? We don't know where we're going. Maybe we don't know where home even is. Maybe you're new to church or you're new to thinking about or following Jesus and you don't really know where this road goes. You know you think you're doing the right thing. Maybe you're pursuing Jesus or investigating Jesus, but you don't know where this road goes. And so Thomas asks, we don't know where you're going, Jesus. How can we know the way? And Jesus answers in a pretty amazing way. He says, where I'm going. First of all, he had just said, where I'm going, I'm going to make a place for you. But then he says, no, you know the way. The way we are going is to try and get to the Father. See, look at verse 6 and 7. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you know my Father as well. And you do know him and you've seen him. If you know Jesus, if you have read his teachings, if you have experienced his love, he says, then you know the Father as well. And what Jesus came to do is the same for all of us. To bring us home. To reconcile a relationship with a loving God who wants a relationship with us. And this was what Jesus came to do. This is how Jesus is comforting his disciples in John 14, right? We're all trying to get home. And many of you are expats. Many of you listening to this are expats, or maybe you've lived in another country, and you know what it's like to feel like you don't have a home, right? I can totally identify with this. It's weird when you first move to a new place and you think, where is home? And then you go back to home or what home used to be and it no longer feels like home and and this new place you live sort of feels maybe not like it's quite right so what is the way home well i can tell you i don't believe it's where we live i can tell you that home is not the perfect place with the perfect job with the perfect apartment the perfect house the perfect car the perfect life If we have anxiety, if we're uncertain about where we're going, I think what Jesus calls us to is to know him more, is to know him more fully, is to know him more completely. And so Jesus says, listen, if you knew me, then you know the Father. And you know the Father who sent me, that the Father is good, that the Father loves you, that the Father desires these things. You know, in thinking about my little story about my brother, you know, abandoning me, Thank you, Paul, by the way, for giving me that story. I was thinking, 
I was following my big brother. I thought I could trust my big brother. And now I know that I probably had misplaced a little bit of my trust. Maybe I should have prepared a little bit and memorized my address or, you know, something along those lines. But in this life, think about that. If you feel lost, if you feel anxiety, if you feel like your heart is troubled, as Jesus said, let me ask you a question. Who are you following? In that moment, I was following my brother blindly, hoping and trusting that he would lead me, and he didn't. But take that to a spiritual level. Take it to a fulfillment level in your life. Who are you following? Who have you placed your trust in? If your heart is troubled, is it because you have placed your trust in things that are not fulfilling? Things that don't satisfy? I would argue, church, that if we place our trust in anything other than God, anything other than Jesus, his son, we will be led astray. Following anything other than Jesus in the things he has taught us can lead us away from this idea of home. Jesus, in this passage, tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one, verse 6, comes to the Father except through him. If we are striving to be reconciled to God, to get back to the Garden of Eden, which is really what we're trying to do if you read Genesis 1, it is to be in communion with God, back when everything was good. This is what we want. In verse 8, Philip chimes in, and he says rightly, hey, show us, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And it's a fair question, but Jesus had been showing them, right? It's It's a fair question we all understand that Philip asks, but Jesus had been showing them. Jesus says, Philip, this is what I've been doing the whole time. This is what I've been doing this whole time I've been living with you. Showing you how to see the Father. Showing you how to love one another. If you read John 13 again, that's the mission, to love one another. Right? He says, each and every day, I've been doing this. And then he says something really cool. Look at John 14, verse 10. John 14, verse says, he says, Don't you believe that I am the Father, the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is, this, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, you may remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the parables, talking about, and it's actually in all, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of the synoptic Gospels, talk about the Pharisees and teachers coming to Jesus and asking him, they say, Jesus, how do you do these things? By what authority Are you teaching? And Jesus gives them a parable or gives them a roundabout answer. But here, the night before he leaves them, he tells the disciples how and why. He tells the disciples the authority by which he does these things. And he says clearly, directly, it is by God's authority. He tells the disciples this so that they would be sure, that they would know. There is a God who loves them. And Jesus has been living out that love to the marginalized, to the sick, to the poor, to the rejects of society. Jesus has been living out that love and says, this is the way, the truth, and the life. So as we look at this passage, let me just say this. Do not be confused. 
Do not be confused about all these other things. When we look at this, I think there's some clear things we can learn. The first, and we've talked about this before, that Jesus was indeed a real person who did real things. And the second thing is that everyone wants to know, everyone today still wants to know, did Jesus really do these things? Has Jesus really raised from the dead? Is Jesus really the Son of God? How did he claim to do these things that he did? And here we see from Jesus' mouth in the Gospel of John how and why. And he says, it's because I am from God and God is with me. And this is what we need to respond to. A believer in Jesus Christ is a person who believes that Jesus Christ was indeed sent from God, showed us how to love, how to serve, and how to care for one another. And that we, as his church, are called to carry on his mission and his love. That Jesus' work is indeed the work of God, our Heavenly Father. And that we now, as his disciples, as followers of him, if you identify with Jesus Christ and as a follower of him, you are called then to carry out this same work. So that we might believe. If we look at verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. And whatever you ask in my name, verse 13, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me, and I will do it. Jesus is saying, if you believe in these things, don't let your hearts be troubled, but go forward and carry out my mission to this world, a mission of love a mission of caring, a mission of serving. We saw it in John 13 that that he says that the way you do this is by laying down your life for one another, right? And so we, as a church, need to be very aware. Who are we following? What ideologies do we place value in? Why are our hearts so often troubled Think about that. Who are you following? You know, many times in our sin, in our rebellion, we choose to follow liars and lies. We often choose to follow people who do not teach the truth. We know this to be true. Right? It's like the blind leading the blind. When we put our hope and our trust in other people rather than God, we end up being hurt or lost. But what's amazing about this is it's not even just bad things. We know when we sin. We know when we wander from following God. What's amazing about this is that I believe, church, and this is true, so hear me, that we can actually get in trouble and get away from Jesus even following what we think are good things. If we follow, if you have one Bible teacher that you just love more than the others, and you follow that one Bible teacher till the ends of the earth, You're not following Jesus, you're following a person. If you have one theology, one ideology, one church, one whatever that you cling to so tightly, rather than Jesus, you can end up in difficult places. And we've seen this. I've seen it with many people who follow a certain pastor all the way to the ends of the earth, and they think this pastor can do no wrong and is a great pastor, and then the pastor does wrong, and their faith is severely shaken because they've been following a pastor and not Jesus. Even good people and even good ideology can lead us astray. 
when we're supposed to be following Jesus. We're supposed to be going home. We can be lost and we don't even know it. And these are the things, church, that make us feel anxious. These are the things that make us feel uncertain. When our hearts are troubled, it is because we have been following other things than Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Pursue my kingdom and my righteousness first. And all these other things will be added unto you. And so when we worry that things are not being added to our life, when we worry that things are not enough for us, it is because... I believe we are not following Jesus. So, church, brothers, sisters in Christ, where are we going? Who are we following? Where do we think those things that are are not Jesus might lead us? Because if we follow anything other than Christ, it will not lead us to the Father. Only through Christ will we be led to the Father and to a reconciliation in that relationship. And that is really what we are all looking for. That's home. Being in communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit so that our hearts are no longer troubled. Church, where are we going if not to him? Jesus has given us the way. He has promised us a place. And as I said in the morning sermon, it's through love that we find it. A sacrificial love that Jesus embodied and has given us the power to continue. This is the mission of the church, to carry out what Jesus started. And that is to point ourselves, one another, this world to the Father. That they would know there is a good God who loves them. And so in this Lenten season, may we be people who trust in Jesus Christ, who trust in God alone. Church, my hope and prayer for you is that your hearts would not be troubled, but you would believe in God and you would also believe in Christ and that he alone would be your source of fulfillment and joy. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this scripture. We thank you for the fact that you alone are what we need and that from you, all other good things come. Our work, our family, our friends, our relationships. God, all of the things we have in this life that bring us joy flow from our love for you. So then, Lord, may we place you first. May we honor and follow you with all that we are. God, thank you. Pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Before you sign off or close this window as well, let me encourage you. I have a couple of things I'd like to share since we did not get a chance to meet today. Um, The first is consider praying together, maybe with some fellow believers. We did not have a time of of prayer as we would normally have before the offering where we pray for the world. Um, I would encourage you to pray if you would like a prompt or some help. What I often try to do is spend some time praying for the world, things happening around the world, then pray, pray for country, then pray for city, then pray for church. And then pray for sort of self and family, sort of go from big to small. And um, spend some time in prayer, thinking about what God has placed on your heart this week. Additionally, I'd like to point out some things happening um, as we go forward. You know, we're constantly looking at how to adjust with uh, cantonal regulations and government regulations with meeting times in the midst of this uncertainty with coronavirus. And so I just want to encourage all of you to um, be checking the website and be checking email before next week 
as hopefully we will be able to meet um, with some new regulations and new measures in place that will keep everyone safe. Um, and so we really appreciate your understanding in this uncertainty. And actually, I would ask for one more thing with prayer. This week, we have a, uh, a meeting uh, where the elders and pastors will come together and, and come up with a strategy for the coming weeks that we might be able to worship and continue to worship together and then also provide, whether it be podcasts like this or even um, a live what feed of some kind for those people who can't come or those people who may be feeling ill or who are under quarantine. And uh, for those reasons as well, we would like prayer from you that um, we would follow God's leading and serve this church and the city of Zurich, the country of Switzerland, in the most responsible way possible. That all would be safe, that all would be healthy, and that we would really be able to go forward uh, as God would have us go, to care for one another, to love one another, and to do church in a way that is creating safety, but also giving us times to come together. So though we did not have a chance to meet today, I would encourage you to uh, meet with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in small groups or in homes. Um, spend time in prayer. Join a home group. Uh, whatever it may be, but do not give up meeting together just because we can't meet in large groups right now. Um, continue to meet and pray and, and seek to love one another with a sacrificial love. Uh, thank you all, and uh, you mean the world to us here at IPC and on behalf of leaders and pastors. Um, thank you for your involvement in the ministry and continue to do the work that God has called you to do. May God be with you, and hopefully we will see you soon. God bless.